0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that I'll be teaching a free masterclass the first week of April all about how to overcome overwhelm. If you ever feel like the weight of your family is on you, on your shoulders, and you are about to collapse underneath the load of it all, this class is for you. I will teach you three actionable steps you can take to start reprioritizing your responsibilities and shifting your perspectives, so family life feels more manageable and less overwhelming. Sound too good to be true? Well, the class is free, so you have nothing to lose by signing up and coming to see if I can help you. The Overcoming Overwhelm Masterclass will be offered twice during the first week of April, so you can choose the time that is best for you, and there will also be a replay. Just go to 3 30 podcastcom slash masterclass to reserve your seat. That's 3 podcastcom slash masterclass. Hello my three and thirty friends. Thank you so much for the reviews that you left on my podcast last week after I asked for those as a little holiday present. They absolutely made my day and as usual you guys showed up and over delivered and made my month. So thank you so much for that. December is a busy but magical time of year and what I want for the remaining few weeks of December is to be really present with my family and to have some quiet still time to think about the Savior whose birthday it is that we celebrate this time of year. It's been a rough fall for me and I just need a couple of weeks to recalibrate. So I've decided that for the last three weeks of December, I'm going to air encore episodes, which is basically I go into the archives and I pull an episode that was aired in the first couple of months of my podcast before many of you were listeners. I purposely choose special episodes that I really feel like apply to the season. They're carefully selected because I really think that they'll be valuable to you. If you've listened to them before, I think they'll be valuable to you to listen to them again. And I wanted to let you know that on Monday, January 7th, so the first Monday of the new year, I'll be back well-rested and in full force with new episodes of 3 and 30. I can't wait. I have so much in store for the new year. Today's Encore episode was originally episode 13, How to Support Those Who Are Grieving with Rachel Gaynor, who has an Instagram account called Rachel Rebuilt, where she shares so many inspiring words about motherhood and life. She is a good, good soul. I love everything that she publishes. She's also an adoptive mom like me, and she is someone that I definitely hope that you will follow if you don't already. Now, the reason why I chose to re-air this episode is that the holidays can be a tender time for people who have lost loved ones, particularly those who have lost children. And last year at this time, Rachel wrote a post on her Instagram about that because she lost a baby about seven years ago, and she said that the holidays can bring up a lot of grief for her and for other mothers like her. And in her post, she shared some really great tips for what we can do to support those who have lost loved ones during the holidays, but also any time of the year. My challenge for you after you finish listening to this episode is that you will think of somebody in your own life who has lost someone, particularly if they've lost a child, And that you will reach out to them this week and say, hey, I know the holidays can be tough. I'm thinking about you and your little one or whoever it might be that they have lost. Take some of the advice in this episode and put it into action by supporting those who might need a little bit more love this time of year. For the sake of time, we're going to jump in a few minutes into the original episode Rachel and I are discussing how their daughter was born with a heart defect. When they adopted her, they knew that. And Rachel was going to devote her life to taking care of her. But then their baby passed away when she was just a couple of months old. Rachel's talking about how she really struggled to find herself again. And then she goes right into the takeaways of what people did to help her during that heartbreaking time. So with no further ado, here is how to reach out during the holiday season to someone who has lost a child. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I was just so lost. I just felt such a sense of loss of self that um, the, the way that I usually describe it is that I felt that there were kind of two me's and there was the me that was going about my daily life and trying to survive and I was sort of robotic. Robotic. Um, And then there was the me that was curled up in the fetal position inside my body that was just all the best things about me. And I was just so broken that that was the place that I was hiding. And um, it it was really I had to reconnect with the parts of me that I wanted to bring back, which took time. And I had to let go of the parts of me and the things that didn't matter to me anymore, like the approval of other people. But that really did, it was a long process for sure.
0: So in the midst of all of that pain and grief, which I can't even imagine going through, um, what did people do for you that was, that was helpful? Um, which leads us into our three takeaways. What is your first takeaway about how to support someone who has lost a loved one?
1: Okay, so the very first thing that I would say is reach out. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the day after it happens or you learn about it five, six months in the future. Um, Just reach out and let the person know that you have heard about what's happened, that you want to express sympathy and just show your love. And don't let a timeline scare you. I think a lot of people, they didn't reach out in the first week or they didn't make it to the funeral. And so now they feel awkward and they don't know what to say. And it feels really uncomfortable. Um, but you can always say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't reach out initially, but I wanted to reach out now and just let you know, I'm thinking about you. So there it's never too late. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, that can come in the form of a text message, an email, a phone call, if you see them, you know, walking down the street, if you run into them um, at your church or out anywhere, I mean, don't confront them necessarily at a supermarket about their grief. But um, but anywhere, just extending a hand of love is always appreciated. Um, and there's a few things that I found r- that really go along with that. And one of those is to mention the child, or if it's not a child, the loved one by name. Um, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about Daphne. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so sorry to hear, you know, versus just a generic statement. But we get scared. I know that people get scared to use the name of the deceased. It can feel like a trigger that you'll somehow trigger that person's grief. And you may. But the truth is that grief can be triggered by any number of things. And there's actually so much joy that I feel. And I know it's true for a lot of others. When someone mentions the name of your loved one who asks you how you're feeling, um, or would you like to talk about Daphne? And I, another thing that I find super helpful, I know it's like a lot of pieces, but along with this is, Um, The first year is just very difficult. So many milestones and so much hardship can come out of the first year. And so I find it really helpful when someone passes away to just open my phone, get out my calendar, mark that person's angel day on my calendar so that I'll remember the one-year anniversary. And if it's someone who I'm close to, like a sibling or a, a... um know, a parent or, or something, I would put, you know, the one month mark, the six month mark, um, and just, or, or other things like mother's day or a child's birthday, or there's just a, a, a lot of things. Like if you think about it, like if, for example, a four-year-old passes away and they would be going into kindergarten that year, they're going to turn five and they're going to be going into kindergarten. It would be thoughtful to just in your phone, Mark, you know, touch base in September. Right. So just be thoughtful about the times when you might reach out and it can be a simple, um, little text message. Just, you know, I thought this, you know, this month might be a little difficult for you. I just wanted to check and see how you're doing. Right. Um, because those times really are, challenging. And if you put a little thought into it and put that into your phone in advance, you'll actually really be able to support and help that person over the course of the first year, which is really the most intense grieving period. Mm -hmm. Although it it continues on, but the first year is, is by far the most intense.
0: Yeah. And you know, one thing that I've tried to do for my friends who've had miscarriages is to ask them when their due date would have been, um, Mm -hmm. if, if I'm close to them and if it's comfortable when we're talking say, well, when, when was your due date? And most women who've had miscarriages know that day, like they can tell you right specifically. And so I'll, I'll try to write it down. Um, and I don't make a big deal of it right then, you know, to write it down, but I'll Mm -hmm. just make a mental note and write it down. And then on that day, I'll reach out and say, I'm just thinking about you today, I know today was your due date and um, I've had several friends who've just been so touched and like today was a hard day and nobody even knows that today was a hard day, you know? So remembering those important dates and milestones I think is huge. And I also completely agree with what you said about using Daphne's name. Um, And I also love, so my mom died when I was 19. And so a lot of people, in my current life don't know her. In fact, my husband doesn't even know her. Mm-hmm. And so the people who do know her, it means so much to me when they share stories about her. Um, oh, absolutely. Or tell me like experiences that they had with her when I wasn't there. It's almost like they're giving me a new memory by sharing that experience or tell me, telling me about, how they saw her interact with me is really meaningful. Like my college roommate wrote me a letter um, for my freshman year. Cause my mom passed away in between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And she said, you know, I always loved seeing how excited and proud your mom was of you when she'd come to visit and she would take all of us out to dinner, not just you because she wanted to know your life. So she wanted to know your friends. And mm-hmm. I really admired that about your mom and those those little memories of her and how she loved me are just priceless to me. And
1: have you had that experience with
0: Daphne with, with people who knew her?
1: Yeah, her life was so brief Mm -hmm. and we actually lived away from all of our family and friends for the first month of her life because she was in the hospital. Um, So very, very few people got to meet her or spend time with her. And so, yes, they The very few people who do remember her, remember um, holding her and spending time with her, I really treasure the things that they tell me. Um, One of the things that always stands out to people is how luminous her eyes were. She had very wide, bright eyes. And, you know, a lot of babies don't focus super well and they kind of have like a glassy look when they're newborns, but Daphne was not that way. She looked alert and clear and made eye contact right from the beginning. Um, and people would always just talk about how it felt like she was like looking right into your soul and that she knew you and that she was very wise. Like she was a very old soul. And it's, I got that same story from so many people. And so it just brought so much clarity and joy to me because that's how i saw her and it was so it was so um it just wonderful to feel that that was reinforced by other people who had spent time with her. Yes, definitely. And, and now even her life was brief, but I speak about her a lot, Mm -hmm. um, through my Instagram, um, public speaking other opportunities. And so when I share her story and people come back to me and talk about how sharing that story touched their heart, that also gives me that same joy that, her life was brief, but it was beautiful and we can celebrate it even now.
0: Yeah. And it's like you're continuing to introduce her to people, even though she's gone. Mm-hmm. I know I've just from following your Instagram, I I feel like I just I love her. Like, I love the stories that you shared about <laughs> her and the pictures you write about her eyes. And most recently you shared that experience, an experience that you had with her shortly before she passed away where you were prompted to just be present with her and lay on a blanket with her. And I read that and I was so touched and it made me want to be a better mom. And so just, she continues to bless lives.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, and then what is your second takeaway for how we can support those who are grieving?
1: So the second takeaway sort of builds a little bit on the first and it's to offer a specific service. So often when someone loses a loved one, um, we express our sympathy and then we say, if there's anything I can do, let me know, Mm -hmm. which is a very, it's a very nice gesture. But what happens when you're grieving is you, you truly can't even identify your needs, right? You're, you're just, your emotions are strong and heavy and you kind of just want to pull in a little bit from the world, and you you may or may not want people with you, but you don't really know even what will serve you well. And so um, I always tell people, you know, think of your specific talent or a service you can give or a very meaningful gift, something that is unique to you, to what you have to offer and get and offer that. So, um, would you like me to give some examples of of some some. different things? Okay. So a few of the things that I'll start with some really specific things that were maybe bigger and then I'll kind of, and then I'll go more to some generalized things that were still very touching, but almost anybody could do. So, um, if you're very close to someone, you may be able to spot a need that's very specific. For example, um, my daughter passed away in the hospital and very few people knew what was going on, but I had had to drop off my older daughter at my best friend's house in the middle of the night, um, in order to rush to the hospital to be with my daughter. And, um, and when my friend heard that she'd passed, she offered to go to my home and to just pick up the things that belonged to Daphne that were in our common area, like her baby swing and her diapers and her bottles, and to just put them away in Daphne's bedroom so that I wouldn't have to come home and do that myself. Now, I could have said, no, I wanna do that myself, but it was a very kind and specific offer of a service that actually was so appreciated and thoughtful, very thoughtful, so thoughtful and so specific. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was something that was a very specific service. Um, another friend had a talent for hand lettering. And so she, after Daphne passed away, she, um, took an E.E. Cummings poem that I loved. um, that she, she didn't know that actually she was, she found it but it's a, it's I, just is his, it i carry, carry you in my heart i carry you in my heart i, I love carry, that one too i carry your heart with me i carry it in my heart i am never without it and she hand lettered that for me and framed it and then gifted that to me so it's something i treasure and i still have up in my home because not only does it remind me of my daughter and her heart but it also was such a precious gift, hmm. right? It was something offered with so much love. She put so much time into that gift. Um, I had another friend who was a photographer and she, we we were friends, but perhaps not, perhaps not like, she wasn't like a best friend, but she was a neighbor. And she was a photographer and she sent me just a text message and just said, um, I know you'll be dressing Daphne's body before the funeral. Would you like me to come take photos for you? And it was just such a kind offer because I would have never thought of that. Right. But it was my last moments with my daughter and she, she made this offer Um, and so it was something that was specific to her skill that she could give to me.
0: Right. And again, you may have said, no, it may have been Mm -hmm. too personal and you may not have wanted that, but, um, you still would have appreciated the thoughtful offer of service and made out of love. I think people are so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing or offer the wrong thing, but that it will be
1: offensive. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's
0: done in love, then even if the, even if the person says, no i I don't want that it's it's not going to be offensive
1: absolutely not I the the worst thing that happens is that I could have said um actually I think we'd like to be alone or and I think I even said to her you know let me think about that I I'm not sure if I feel comfortable having photos of that and then I took a couple of day you know I took a couple of days but by the time that the funeral came I I told her, I I would love for you to be there and do this for me. So, you know, give people time to make that decision, but putting it out there, I could not have asked somebody for that. Mm. I couldn't have known, but it was such a generous offer. Mm. Um, So those are some really specific kinds of things. But then a couple of more general things that people did for me that almost anybody could do. Um, there were, there was a woman who ordered me a necklace with Daphne's name on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then she gave that to me. That's a gift that I actually give quite often is a a piece of jewelry with the, the child's name on it. Um, and then one, one woman down the street brought me just a basket and it just had like puffs, tissues and waterproof mascara in it. And just a thoughtful note about how she knew that the funeral would be difficult and she wanted to, you know, support me through that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what a simple gift. But to me, even though it was a small gift, it was such a generous offer. Because, again, she thought of the specific situation and she offered something specific.
0: Yes, I love that. And I, um, people who've listened to this podcast will know that, a month about a month ago six weeks ago we lost my son's birth mother so my son's adopted mm-hmm. and um his birth mother passed away and it's been so hard and um i was also going to say that people have sent me jewelry which i hadn't thought of before but i have loved it it's been so thoughtful so uh, on the podcast i recorded three messages of hope for the darkest times. Mm -hmm. And I talked about Katie and I shared three scriptures that had helped me. And I had one friend send me a necklace that had, um, the word joy on it from the scripture, joy comes in the morning. And then another friend who sent me a bracelet that had the phrase beauty for ashes, which is what I talked about at Katie's funeral. And both of those gifts just meant so much to me. And so there's so many services now, like with Etsy and different things where you can get jewelry engraved. And just as simple yeah. as the name, I love that, that you can wear her name around with you. Yes. And I
1: had an, another friend, um, They, it was actually a couple of friends, they made a bracelet for me. And then a matching bracelet for Daphne, and she was buried with that bracelet on. I love that. So, you know, it was just just those little things that Mm -hmm. helped tie us to the people that we love. Right.
0: And I did want to mention one more idea that a friend of mine had that I thought was so beautiful um a friend of ours had a baby pass away who had never left the hospital she'd been in the nicu for 5 months and then she passed away mm-hmm. and um so they'd never really had a family picture taken with their other daughter uh they'd had a, they'd had a couple informal taken in the nicu with all four of them but and one of my friends suggested that we get a drawing done one of those custom drawings of their family yeah. And, um, I actually know a lady who does a great job with those and she drew a portrait. So we gave her a we gave her a family picture of them, the three of them. And then we gave her a picture of their baby and she added the baby and it it turned out so beautiful and they loved it and it's framed in their home. And I thought, what a, you know, creative, sensitive, thoughtful gift that my friend suggested. So I thought that was a great one. And then what is your third takeaway?
1: So the third thing um, that I always want to remind people is just to be sensitive, just speak with sensitivity and also be sensitive to the reactions of of the person who's grieving. Um, We don't always know what will trigger someone's emotions. Sometimes we say nothing because we're so scared of triggering those emotions. But we don't want to, we don't necessarily want to tiptoe. Like I said, like, it's good to ask how someone is doing. It's good to mention the deceased by name. Um, But if by chance there's a strong reaction, it's also good to, instead of getting offended, like, well, I don't know why she's reacting so strongly. It's been six months or um, to just understand that those reactions can't always be controlled And it can go a long way to just, you know, let the dust settle and just reach out and just say, I am so sorry. I had no idea that that would trigger something. And, you know, just some simple examples of things that I've had happen in my life. Um, One thing that's always sensitive is just anytime someone asks me, how many children do you have? Right. Um, and it's such an innocent question, right? Like we ask out of people all the time when we're getting to know people and I, I didn't know how to answer. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time. I always felt that whatever I said was just unclear, you know, either I would say, you know, now I have, I have five. So I'd say i ha- I have five and then people would see me with four children and they'd be really confused. Um, so I, I've started saying, I say four plus an angel usually if someone asks, because I need to be honest and I need to honor Daphne and I can't leave her out because it hurts too much. Right. Um, and so that's how I have addressed that, but it can be really difficult when you're first dealing with that. And so what I, what I learned to say in all situations, because it applies in so many other situations, including situations where there's divorce or situations where, you know, a spouse has passed away or other kinds of complicated family situations. I've just learned to say, tell me about yourself or tell me about your family. Um, everyone has a family, whether that's their parental family or their children or even just their community. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so those two, those two phrases work a little bit more generically and I've used those more and I think it helps to allow people To tell you as much as they want to tell you.
0: Right. And Um, I feel like that is a huge light bulb that I got from you as we discussed and prepared for this podcast. When you said just that switch from how many children do you have to instead saying, tell me about your family. I'm like, yes, because I, (laughs) I've struggled with that too, because several times I've asked someone, how many children do you have? And they've answered that they've lost a child. And they, they kind of stumble over their words and then I don't know if I should ask more about that or if they don't want mm-hmm. to talk about. It. And so it creates a situation where I'm hoping that I haven't put them in an awkward place, but I'm feeling right. awkward. But, but like you said, if I just say, tell me about your family, then it's totally in their court if they would like mm-hmm. to tell me or not and how much right. they want to discuss. So I love that. I'm going to be using that from right. now on. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this and such personal insight. Um, I I was wondering if you could share just one maybe of your favorite moments with Daphne. I didn't tell you this in advance, so this is kind of putting you on the spot, but um, just so people can get a little taste of her before we end.
1: Sure. Um, So I think that I have a lot of little memories with her, but I mean, she was so little. So we just spent a lot of time just snuggling. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think maybe my favorite memory is, uh, the first moment that I saw her because Daphne was adopted and she was born in Alabama and I live in Utah. So, um, I actually flew there by myself without my husband. He stayed here with my other daughter and I flew there and got there in the middle of the night and I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know if the hospital was expecting me. I didn't know this. I didn't know anything. I didn't know where I was going. Um, I had an address to a hospital and I had to catch a cab by myself. And it was just a really anxious period of time for me. And then I got to the hospital. It was around 10 p.m. and the nurse Took me into Daphne's room, and she was there in just a little. It was the, the cardiothoracic NICU, and she was in a little incubator, and it was closed. And I just, I walked up next to her, and I just kind of had my hands kind of like grasped in front of me. And she was just so tiny; she was just barely over four pounds, wow. and um, she was just so little and. I just loved her. My heart just like swelled up so full and you know, I'd had confirmation before we adopted her that she was my baby, but then seeing her just there, I just got this just energy surge that was just like, this is your daughter. And I was just so anxious. I'm like, I don't know. Do I get to hold her? Do I like, what do I do? And the nurse was just so kind. She just put her hand on my back and just said, would you like to hold her? Mm. And, um, uh, you know, of course I, I did. And I, you know, I sat in this rocking chair and I held her and I held her until like two o'clock in the morning. And then the nurse, she came (laughs) to me and she was, um, she was like, I, I can't let you fall asleep with her. (laughs) I, I have to put her back in her bed. Um, and, but it was just so, it was just so beautiful to have that. And, you know, I have, the nurse was kind enough to take some photos of that time. And so I have photos of that first time that I held her and it was just, it was just so powerful to feel Mm -hmm. so much love and so connected to a little human that I, I hadn't carried, I hadn't spent any time with, and yet being with her, I knew a hundred percent that she was meant for my life. Um, Mm -hmm. That's it was just, just beautiful.
0: Really yes, that's beautiful. And it's like I said in the introduction, like grief is big because love is big. Mm-hmm. And um, but you wouldn't trade the love, you know, no. so mm-hmm. so you just have to walk through it with grief and it's so helpful when you have people around you who know how to support you and reach out to you and love you. And so I know this podcast is gonna be a big help to people to help them to do that better for their family members who've lost loved ones and friends. So can you share with us again, those three takeaways of how we can support our loved ones who are grieving?
1: Um, Yes. The first one is to reach out Um, no matter how long it's been, just reach out. The second one is to offer a specific service just something that is related to your talents. And then the third one is um, to speak with sensitivity and just realize that grief comes in all forms and you can't always predict people's reactions, but just to be kind and sensitive.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. And I know people are going to want to follow you and know more of your story. And they can find you on Instagram. Under the handle Rachel Rebuilt, and there's an underscore in there R A C H E L underscore Rebuilt. And um, your website is the same, right?
1: Yes, rachelrebuilt.com.
0: Rachelrebuilt.com. So people can find you there. And um, I hope that you have a great rest of your evening. And thanks again so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I want to
0: thank Rachel for coming on to share such a tender, special part of her story with us, initially in the interview and then allowing me to air it as an encore in the context of the holiday season. And again, I want to remind all of you what I invited you to do at the beginning take some time this week to reach out to someone who's lost a child or another important person in their life, and just do something for them for the holidays. I'm so grateful for all of you for being here. I hope that you're having a restful and wonderful holiday season. And if you're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed like I've been lately, take a break. Take a break like I'm going to do. And I will see you next week for another really important Encore episode from an episode that I love of 3 and 30.
1: Hi, I'm Monica Packer, the host of About Progress. You know, it seems like most personal development advice out there is made up of all or nothing extremes designed for perfect robots. Instead, About Progress makes progress practical for real women leading real lives. Can you really transform your life outside of perfectionism? Yes. Here you'll learn how to do something and grow in ways that stick. Listen to About Progress on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.